I'm Ethan Warren. And this is The Great Hunting Caper. It's an overcast day in the spring of 1978, and a bear and a frog are perched in the nook of a tree branch somewhere in the English farmlands. Look at those leaves. That's a great looking tree. Yeah, look at that bark. Feel that, that's real bark, that's real tree. Mm-hmm. Great to be out here, huh? Yep. A bear in his natural habitat. Yeah, well, well but Fuzzy, mm-hmm. see, see, the thing of it is though, um, well, you know, you're not a real, you know, you're not a real bear. I mean, you're not a, not a real natural bear. Well, I mean, you were talking about a bear in his natural habitat. Yeah, well, me in my natural habitat. the cows back there. Yeah. Now, now, those cows, those are real cows. I mean, those are cows that are out here, they eat grass, they, uh, you know, they, they, they give milk. Those are cows. Well, I don't give milk, but I'm a bear. No, no, no. But a real bear is, a, is sort of a thing with, he's got sharp teeth and he... And now, he uh, hold, now, wait a second. Now, wait a second. Do you have sharp teeth? I, I don't have teeth. No, I mean, do you hibernate? Uh, well, only with friends. No, no, see, you're not a real bear. Now, wait a minute. Now, look. I feel in my very bones. Well, you don't, in my you very don't, marrow. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. That I you don't, even, you don't even have bones. That I what? You don't even have bones. What do you mean I don't have I bones? I mean, a real bear has bones. What do you have? You've got sort of a uh, sort of a fake fur. You've got foam rubber. What? Well, I mean, what, you know, what's, what'd you say? You I had what? you got foam rubber and fake fur. You're an, art, you're an artificial bear. You're telling me I have foam rubber? Have you ever seen a bear with a magenta nose? I got a newsflash for you, kid. What? Frog, you want to you hurt, you want you hurt me, I'm going to have to hurt you. You ready for this? Yes. Are you ready? Yeah. You got a wire on your arm. What? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say it. I got a what? I didn't mean to hurt you. A wire on my arm? Yes, but it's only for movement. At a certain point, the director of this test footage, James Frawley, most likely called Cut, and maybe he'd follow it with a phrase he would use often across the remainder of that year. Muppets relax. The Muppet movie's pre-production team could now see what Kermit and Fozzie looked like in the sunlight. Turns out the answer was, not half bad. Here's a fact that might seem surprising, but makes sense if you think about it. Before 1979, there had never been a major motion picture with a cast made up primarily of puppets. But, no longer content with just having what was, by most metrics, the most popular television show on Earth, Jim Henson had a new ambition. For the first time, We are taking the Muppets out into the real world. There's just one problem with doing something for the first time. You have to invent everything. So the Muppet movie, similar to The Muppet Show, is Jim putting everything up on the big screen that he wants on the big screen for the Muppets. That was another one where Jim was right and had to show everybody who was right. Jim knew that the Muppets could work in the real world. When he started talking about doing a movie, people thought, well, we'll just we'll keep doing them on sets. It'll be basically an extended blown up version of the Muppet show. We'll just take the Muppet show out on the road somehow. We'll do that that way. And Jim said, no, no, no. We can get them out in the real world. It will work. So so the Muppet movie was really important to Jim because Jim wanted to move into movies. That's one of the reasons he, he took the Muppet show off the air. He wanted to go do other things. And the Muppet movie is sort of his first, his first blast out there. And again, for Jim, character was king. 
And so, of course, if that's what matters, you're going to bring Jerry Joel into into the into the project. And Jerry Joel is absolutely the right guy to write the Muppet Show. Gets the Muppets, understands the Muppets, understands the characters, understands their relationships to each other because that's what the Muppet movie really is. It is all about those relationships. Now, it's fun to watch because you get the secret origin stories of how they all come together and how they meet each other, which becomes fungible over the years, of course. Um, but it's a really good origin story of the Muppets, and everybody gets their own moment. You know, even somebody like Gonzo gets a beautiful song in it you know everybody gets their own moment in the Muppet movie um great songs in it you know Paul Williams and Kenny Asher just writing the pitch perfect song uh to open the Muppet movie with rightly becomes Kermit's sort of you know theme song that we constantly hear the other thing that I think is really neat about the Muppet movie is if you look hard enough and squint at it a little bit the story that's being told in the Muppet movie is kind of Jim Henson's own story it's about the the kid from the swamp who just wants to go to Hollywood and have fun with his friends and entertain people, um, gets sidetracked by an advertising gig, um, you know, before before he gets back with his friends. So it's 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 kind of Jim's own story in there, too. I think it's a nice little hat tip from Jerry Joel, who knew Jim very well. But Jim was up for the challenge, and alongside one-time Muppet Show head writer Jack Burns, he whipped up a story, passing it over to Jerry Jewell, his co-writer of the past 20 years, to finish scripting. They'd need a solid director who could adapt to the Muppet mayhem, and James Frawley had directed 28 episodes of The Monkees with some Columbo to boot. Seemed like a pretty good fit. And it's kind of a miracle considering that, like, they hadn't made a feature film before, and, you know, it's you have James Frawley directing it, and you could easily imagine that having, like, an outsider directing the movie could have, could have really thrown a, a wrench. There, there are certainly plenty of examples if you just look to the world of like sketch comedy of you know um, trying to make the move you know you have a show like Mr. Show which is about as perfect a sketch comedy show as America has had and you look at them trying to uh, make a movie and it, it just fell apart and Muppet Movie could have easily been a disaster one of the 10 best movies ever made in my opinion you're not going to find disagreement here. Is that what you're looking yeah. for? Are you trying to elicit a reaction? A well, unless take? unless you were going to say, well, Great Muppet Caper is my my preferred flavor, which, you know, I think is is maybe true of some people, which I vehemently disagree with, but I have to respect as, you know, an American. Yeah, I think I think it is. I think it is perfectly reasonable to say that the Muppet movie is the better film and the Great Muppet Caper is the better Muppet movie. Ooh, fascinating distinction. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not even sure if I totally agree with it, the more I think about the Muppet movie. Um, but I think it at least is a calculation that makes some sense. And maybe it's helpful for like figuring out what a Muppet movie really is. It, it Maybe it is the James Frawley touch, because mm -hmm. that movie, I always feel like this. the frames have been dipped in coffee and you can smell the cigarette smoke. Yeah. yeah and yeah, not yeah. just in the biker bar. But in the Studebaker, in the desert, everywhere, it just it's just a movie with like a 70s texture. It really is. They'd need some great songs, too, and it didn't get much greater than Paul Williams, who had written hits for The Carpenters, Three Dog Night, Barbara Streisand, oh, and Brian De Palma's Phantom of the Paradise for good measure. So many songs about rainbows and 
Connection is still my favorite song of all time. And it's a song that will still make me tear up. And I don't even know anymore why it's making me tear up. Like, it, it's a lovely song. It's a song of like aspirational moments. And it's a song of just kind of wanting to be both a part of, of everyone else around you, which was such a Henson touch, while also like wondering if there's more out there for you as you, as you grow up, which, you know, when you're seven or eight or 12 or 13 you know that that still feels like there there is a lot more out there that you what what's going to happen in your life what's out there for people like us that dream of a better world or a bigger world or a bigger world for me specifically um and yet it's still like i'm 40 years old and i listen to it and i'm like all right <laughs> you know like uh you know my kids know like don't cry we're driving here, you know, dad, they don't call me here. And it's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. But it's because they've seen me do it. They've seen me watch the Muppet movie with them and be like, dad, are you crying? The movie just started. And there's a lot of things that I can put into like why something makes me emotional or get choked up or something. Am I even crying anymore at what's happening on screen or just thinking about the moment and the good in the world and like how I want to feel as a human being? And all of the memories of feeling like that? Um, is it just all of those moments like combining into a single point in time? Well, my mother tells me that when they took me to see the Muppet movie uh, at the age of eight, I was jumping up and down in the aisle of the movie theater when Animal uh, made his big move at the end of the movie. Um, he was my favorite character at that point. And to see him magnified, quite literally, uh, I, I, it kind of blew my mind. I didn't think entertainment could get any better than that, and I'm still not sure about that. Um, the more I look back at the Muppet movie, though, the more I realized that that too was an important event in blurring the lines for me of what was possible. Because when I listen to the lyrics of The Rainbow Connection, I hear a gospel song. I hear a song about looking at what has been made and having a sense that what has been made is speaking to you. That um, you know, what's so amazing that keeps us stargazing? What do we think we might see? Someday we'll find it. There's this sense that when you look at something beautiful, it is speaking to you about what is possible and that we are meant to be a part of that. So I, I actually sing that song to my students at the beginning of my film class. Say, we are going to look at beautiful things, and those things are going to speak to us about what is possible, about what, what is possible right here and now, not some distant, faraway heaven, but that the kingdom of God is here. It is at hand. <laughs> um, and watching the rest of that movie, what I see is not an evangelist emerging from the swamp, but a playfulness. Uh, an agent of play emerging from the swamp. Not someone who goes around saying, this is wrong and this is right, but someone who has a vision of beauty for the world that will bring them happiness and joy. And that vision is inclusive. It welcomes everyone. There is, I don't think there's any accident in the fact that 
when Animal saves the day at the end of the Muppet movie. What saves the day is his boundless curiosity. <laughs> As some people have said, the Muppets are saved in the Muppet movie uh, by a drug user using drugs. <laughs> and well, I don't think that's the message anyone took away from it. Um, there is um, a strange, uh, something strange and profound in that, that Kermit did not kick out the more reckless and dangerous um, people in his community. That he included Animal in all of his recklessness. And somehow, in the end, that ended up making the difference. And uh, I, I, I love that uh, about the movie. And uh, the villain in the movie is exploitation. The, the villain in the movie is a character who cannot conceive of play, but can only conceive of profit. And I, th I don't think it's hard to, look, to, to see the relevance of that to where we are right now in America today, that um, money feeds the appetite for money, and the appetite for money leads us typically in the opposite direction of what we really need, which is playfulness and curiosity and faith and and love and all of those things are modeled so well in the at the climax of the muppet movie um so yeah i, I think it is uh, just about a perfect film obviously i love the muppet movie i think it's hilarious i think it's got some of the best muppet jokes ever like a bear in his natural environment a studebaker or the part where they just hand the electric ma'am the script uh, to read to catch them up because the audience will get bored otherwise but I really love the Paul Williams songs. And even as a kid, I was drawn to uh, I'm Going to Go Back There Someday, which uh, made me feel wistful and sad even before I had anything to feel wistful and sad about uh, with lyrics like, there's not a word yet for old friends who've just met. And I will occasionally... Uh, Amaze, confound, irritate, who knows, uh, karaoke audiences with my uh, gonzo, my... Hold on. This looks familiar, vaguely familiar, almost unreal yet. It's too soon to feel yet. With that team in place, plus $8 million of Muppet Show financier Lord Lou Grade's money, the equivalent of about $34 million today, either way an astronomical sum for a late 70s family film, it was time to make history's first puppet movie. The Muppet movie is a picaresque tale that serves as an allegory for the story of Henson Associates' own journey to prominence. We meet Kermit at home in the swamp, but at the behest of an agent played by Dom DeLuise, one of the film's 24 celebrity cameos, he takes off for Hollywood with the dream of making millions of people happy. Along the way, we learn the stories of how Kermit met Fozzie, then dodging beer bottles as he peddled his jokes at a biker bar, Miss Piggy, then competing in small-town beauty pageants, Gonzo, then a self-described plumbing artiste, and the rest of the Muppet Gang. But along the way, Kermit runs afoul of restaurateur Doc Hopper, who wants the frog for his chain of frog leg joints. He doesn't want to serve Kermit, he wants something worse. For Kermit to sell out and become his spokesfrog. Kermit refuses, dodging Hopper's increasingly menacing advances until he finally triumphs, landing in Hollywood, where he signs the standard rich and famous contract with a conspicuously named Lou Lord, 
played by Orson Welles. You know what I love about the early movies is they're all different. Like this is a road comedy. It's basically like, you know, on the road, but with Muppets. And so I think it's kind of funny because um, they're sort of finding out who they are and we are finding out who they are as well. Like as they sort of shamble along shaggy dog style through the plot, we go right along with them trying to figure it out and um, you know catch up with all their adventures. I think the cameos are great. I think my favorite, of course, is Steve Martin. Will he smell the bottle cap? And uh, James Coburn kills me as the owner of uh, that sleazy bar that we first see. I think the songs are great. It has such a beautiful, idyllic opening. But it, one of my favorite Muppet things ever is Kermit on a bicycle. And this had Kermit on a bicycle. The Muppet movie was shot in California and New Mexico over three months in the summer and fall of 1978. As Frawley would later point out, anything the crew needed to do, quote, we pretty much needed to invent it as we went along. Every shot had never been done before, end quote. And so they problem solved. To keep out of the camera's view, the Muppet performers lay on their backs on furniture dollies or sat in chairs with the legs replaced by wheels. At other times, they dug pits in the ground, burying the puppeteers alive with plywood and dirt. Easily the most uncomfortable Muppet performer, though, was Jim. For the opening scene, in which Kermit sings and plucks his banjo while sitting in a realistic swamp, so realistic that Deloise would be able to row through it, Jim was submerged in the backlot tank, encased in a diving bell. He sat cross-legged with a monitor between his legs, his arm up through a rubber sleeve to operate Kermit's mouth, oxygen being pumped in through tubes. He was in there for up to three hours at a time, at which point he would need to be hoisted out and wait until he could unbend his legs. If Kermit picking a banjo was impressive, though, it was nothing compared to the magic trick that was the frog riding a bicycle. There's a contingent of people who don't want to know how they achieved it. As Roger Ebert wrote in his review, it's more fun to say Kermit did it himself. I'm going to spoil it, though, so take out your earbuds if you don't want to know. I'll wait. We'll be right back after this quick break. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Okay, it was a combination of marionette and radio control. For the big finale, Jim wanted to feature 250 puppets on screen, essentially every existing Muppet. Emmett Otter and his pals, Bert and Ernie, even the little-loved Land of Gorch crew from Saturday Night Live. But rather than propping the Muppets up motionlessly in the background as they had done for crowd scenes in The Muppet Show, Jim wanted each character to be fully performed, so he put out an ad through the LA Guild of the Puppeteers of America. He brought in 150 performers, whose ranks even included young unknowns named John Landis and Tim Burton. It was the most puppets ever assembled on screen at one time. There's always a sort of emotional undercurrent to The Muppet Show, and there's always a sort of melancholy to certain aspects of it, because The Muppet Show is a failed 
show in that in the reality of the Muppet Show, and characters are constantly getting eaten. They're always in, they're constantly either getting eaten or blown up characters, and so they're always in fear for their lives. Fozzie is always failing, and the Muppet movie takes that emotional undercurrent and inflates it so much and makes it takes it center stage, and it's the only I think it's the. The Muppet movie is the only kids' movie I've ever seen that is about how did these characters meet up and get together that is not bad. That actually does a good job of it, and you're like, oh yeah, this is how those characters got together. And it's a movie that... I'm a, I'm a sucker for movies. I cry at a lot of movies, but the Muppet movie is one that I cry at every single time. And I cry always when Kermit says, I, I did promise someone. I promised me. And he realizes that he's a person, that he doesn't just live to serve others, but he's a person and he deserves things and he wants things. And up to this point, Kermit has been like, yeah, I guess I'll, I, I want to do things. I want to, and he meets these people and he's like, yeah, we will be famous. And I think it's just in that moment that he expresses something that I hadn't, you don't see expressed much in movies anymore. And, uh, that I hadn't certainly hadn't seen in a kid's movie, which is this sort of recognition of himself as someone who wants things and deserves things and it's okay for him to want things and he can earn them he just has to try it and he owes it to himself to try it and i always cry at the end when they're singing uh was it magic store is the name of the song or whatever and uh, and then it's and uh, and at the end they say life's like a movie and all that and the getting across a feeling that i had so much as a kid of wanting to be creative and wanting to perform and wanting to have that special feeling of an audience enjoying something that you're doing and again not having seen that in something before and that the Muppet movie is a movie that is so surprisingly autobiographical and confessional it feels like for a movie about a puppet frog and a puppet bear and their puppet friends that go, that go to Hollywood and meet Orson Welles you know and, and are being chased by a fast food magnate there's something so personal about it that as much as I love the other Muppet movies other than the Muppet movie the Muppet movie, of all the Muppet movies, is the movie that feels like it's really super personal and really saying something about the people making the movie. And another example of just the level of uh, the level of thought and the level of sophistication, the level of expression that Jim Henson and everyone working with him, because I don't want to give him sole and total credit for, for, for the film, that they're all working together on. It's one of the few movies I've seen where they can, they can so flagrantly break the fourth wall uh, and still, you don't doubt the reality of the movie. Maybe because they're already puppets. You've already bought into a certain level of fiction. But I've always loved that in those early Muppet movies, the characters are not puppets or Muppets. Kermit is a frog. And Fozzie is a bear. And Gonzo is a something. And this artificial reality to it that works so well and allows them to get to deeper things than you'd expect about a movie about a bunch of animal puppets going to become famous celebrities. I mean, the Muppet movie is one of my favorite movies. Uh, aside, not, not only probably my favorite Muppet thing, it's hard, it's hard to say because the Muppet show is such a, um, you know, it, there's such quantity of it and it's just a, an embarrassment of riches. But the Muppet show is about as perfect as one could have hoped a, a Muppet feature film could be. It does everything that you want it to do. It's funny. It doesn't feel like, um, oh, this is just a... No one's ever accused the Muppet movie of... Sometimes when a TV show becomes a movie, they'll say, oh, it's just a glorified episode of the TV show. 
the Muppet movie has so much more ambition than that. It's like, we're going to show you things you've never seen. We're going to put these characters in situations where um, you can't imagine. Even You genuinely have... Uh, I mean, the main plot is so terrifying, so genuinely dark. One of the darkest children's plots <laughs> in any, like, all-ages all family film. The fact that it's about... Um, hypocrisy it's about you know like kermit standing up for his principles that he wants to he refuses to be the mascot for a a, a food chain that's going to kill all of his friends and family you know um at least all of his frog friends um but then you have like comedy sections you, have, you basically have him getting you know tortured by a nazi scientist at one point you know it's just like this is uh really um you know, they're, they're, it's a fun movie for kids, but it's also not a movie where it feels like kids were the priority. You know, that they were just trying to make a funny movie starring the Muppets. Um, most of the adult cameos that are in that film would have gone right over my head when I first saw it as a kid. Um, so many of the jokes in it are jokes I didn't wouldn't get until I saw it as a teenager. Um, just, just a a perfect film. What is your review of the Muppet movie? Just to get started, what did you think? I loved it. What did you love about it? Mm, I loved when Animal got giant. What did you love about that? Well, he was so giant. It seemed to me that it almost was like you were stressed about the ending and then it gave you a chance to really blow off steam when, uh, when, you know, the day was saved by animal, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the Muppet movie begins with rainbow connection, which I was saying to you is I think maybe the most beautiful song ever written for a movie and should have won an Oscar and brings a tear to my eye. What do you think of rainbow connection? I love it. But my favorite part of that scene is when the crocodile almost eats the the guy. Yeah. Um, we have Kermit in the swamp, and then he heads off. We have the bike riding scene. Were you impressed by the bike riding scene? Yes, because it was in the past when there wasn't as much tech technology as there is now. That is true. And they had to make it all up as they went along. And we have Moving Right Along, a song I really love. Did you like that one? Yeah, I liked it. When you watched this movie when you were younger, we watched this, I don't know, like two or three years ago, you were very stressed out by Doc Hopper. Do you think he is a scary bad guy now? No. No. Why? What, what makes him manageable to you? He, well, I don't, I, I honestly like a little bit scary. You like when things are a little bit scary? Yeah. And is the Muppet movie a little bit scary? A pinch scary. Just a pinch of scary. We meet Dr. Teeth in the Electric Mayhem. I heard you say at one point you like Dr. Teeth. What do you like about Dr. Teeth? I like that he... Um, he's so teethy. And then they paint the Muppet's car and they pour the uh, paint onto what appears to be pouring onto the camera. And you were amazed by that, right? Mm-hmm. One of many times in this movie that we said, how did they do that? And when that one, my guess is, as I said to you, they probably held a pane of glass over the camera and poured the paint onto the glass. But the number of times in this movie that it's like, you know, 
Kermit sitting on a stool. Where the heck could Jim Henson be? It's really like, it's amazing. Were there any things like that that really stuck out to you as amazing? Mm, I thought the bike was amazing. Yeah, it sure was. Oh, and some of Gonzo flying through the air in balloons was amazing. So, you know, I, I told you there were like 24 famous people in this movie. Um, did you notice, were you able to like guess when it was a famous person? No. It all just blended in for you? They just felt like characters? Yeah. Well, that's good. That means they did their job. It makes it timeless. Um, we have Kermit and Miss Piggy. Do you think Kermit and Miss Piggy are a good couple? A silly one. A silly good couple. And then this, when Mel Brooks comes in and tries to turn Kermit's brain into guacamole, that's like about as close as it ever gets to becoming scary. And that's the point where you asked me, you said, it's not really going to happen, right? And I said, yeah. Right? Yeah. But I thought that part was very, very silly. Okay. Good. <laughs> and then you're getting close to the end. And, uh, you know, they, um, they, their car breaks down. And, and to be super honest, like, I lose a little bit of steam when the car breaks down personally. I don't know about you. You liked it? Um, I thought it was odd. What was odd about it? Well, it was that they were almost there. It was like they're just about to get there, and then the car breaks down. Yeah, and Gonzo sings, I'm going to go back there someday, which is a song I just don't really like that much, and it all just kind of grinds to a halt. But then you get to the triumphant ending, which was your favorite part. And then they go to Hollywood, and all is well. Well, to have one thing you can say, right? The carryover on the celebrities. Um, I feel like the I feel like Henson and like the Muppets were the are the only force that's figured out what to do with the celebrity cameo. But again, as part of an evolution, sometimes it feels like when celebrities pop up in the Muppet movie and moving forward, they replace the products from the early commercials, right? Like they occupy this like extra space, and they're treated no more precious. Uh, in fact, sometimes less precious than the proceedings and what comes after. But man, there are some good ones in that one. Yeah. And and it's interesting to think about, everybody's basically playing to type. Uh, Steve Martin's playing the jerk. Mel Brooks is playing the mad scientist. Um, mm -hmm. So everybody's just basically doing a showpiece for, for what they were in the 70s, but it also feels timeless. None of that, you know, mm -hmm. it doesn't stick out. It didn't stick out to me when I was a kid. It didn't stick out to my kid watching it. Yeah. For this, um, it all just blends into the fabric of this absurdist, beautiful world. Yeah, I mean, it it both boldly imagines a world where nobody knows who Bob Hope is, and he just seems like an extra scooping ice cream. And when the most consequential decisions in Hollywood are made by Orson Welles. That's a vision I'd like to be a part of. Orson Welles as Lord Lou Grade. As Lord Lou Grade. For all intents and purposes. Lord Lou Grade, one of history's great names. Incontrovertibly. Incontrovertibly. <laughs> Basically cooked up in the Muppet Lab. I always, my joke about it always is that like, uh, that the Muppet movie is the is the movie that, that puts uh, Citizen Kane in second place in my list of Orson Welles movies. Um, just he, he, uh, God, what a good cameo at the end. And, and I don't think there's a single thing about that movie that I don't like. Um, and in a weird way, thinking about it in terms of the way the Muppet movies worked, they sort of had the same kind of success and, and in a way the same trajectory as Monty Python had transitioning from, you know, the Muppet show is their flying circus. Muppet movie is their holy grail. 
uh, Great Muppet Caper is their life of Brian, and Muppets Take Manhattan is their meaning of life. It sort of like lines up pretty perfectly that they, they, uh, having you know both both comedy troops starting out basically uh, uh, making TV in Britain, and then they end up having a trilogy of of more or less perfect uh, comedy adventure films. Jim went into whirlwind mode promoting the film. Kermit and Fozzie guest hosted the Tonight Show with Kermit giving the monologue. Well, Kermit, come to think of it, come to think of it, you do not see many frogs on television at all, you know? Uh, tonight I think of myself as sort of a token frog. You <laughs> see. Anyhow, they, they've been real nice to me on the show, though, because when I went into my dressing room, there was a bottle of champagne and a basket of flies. <laughs> uh, my, my agent isn't too thrilled with the deal. He gets 10% of the flies. <laughs> The writers also write the material, though, you know. Uh, those, those writers write those material, and it's... Um, <clears throat> anyhow, like this. Uh, the Muppets and I just love coming to Hollywood, you know. This is the first time, and we're just like any tourists. Uh, today, we all went to Disneyland, you know, Miss Piggy, Fozzie, and myself. The guard at the gate didn't want to let us out. <laughs> you know, it, it looks sort of silly to see all those people running around dressed like, uh, uh, you know, a mouse and a duck. Uh, louder and funnier. Before interviewing Vincent Price and Bernadette Peters in an interview crashed by Animal. Yeah, but uh, but frogs are okay. I mean, you know. Oh. Okay. I didn't know that. Yes, right. (laughs) Anyhow. Yeah. uh, You've been performing since you were a kid. Woman! 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 Animal! (laughs) Take it easy, Animal. Yes. Uh, this is Animal. Yes, you, you remember Animal. Hi, Animal. Woman! Woman! Uh, How are you? How are you? Listen, we're, we're, we're trying to conduct a serious interview here. Yeah, uh, Yeah, right. So uh, if, if you just sort of, uh, you know, sit quietly. Quietly. Right, right. The promotion paid off. The Muppet movie became one of the most profitable films of the decade, earning Lord Grade's investment back eight times over. In his review, Vincent Canby offered typically genteel praise. Quote, The Muppet movie demonstrates once again that there's always room in movies for unbridled amiability when it's governed by intelligence and wit. End quote. The critic for Lexington, Kentucky's Herald Leader had no such compunction, writing, quote, There should be a special Academy Award for kitty films because the Muppet movie deserves one. There's a grand finale with a song that celebrates being alive being in touch with such old-time sentiments as love and hope and what it means to be good friends. They don't sing enough songs like this anymore, and they don't make enough movies like this anymore either." Trying to describe why Kermit and his story resonated with audiences, Jim was left feeling philosophical. We're all children, you know? Everybody identifies with that feeling of looking around at this big world and not knowing who you are and what you're supposed to be doing here. And so, with the Muppet movie in the books and the Muppet show drawing to a close, it seemed to Jim that the time was right to broaden the horizons of Henson Associates. Ever the innovator, he wanted to see what else might be possible. But Lord Lou Grade and Jim's brain trust had one fairly strong opinion on what should follow the Muppet movie. The most recent time I saw the Muppet movie was actually, um, there was a, a Fathom event for uh, for its most recent sort of anniversary screenings. and. It was just such a great experience to get to go and see that film on a big screen with a theater full of people. And 
it was really, I was really struck by the fact that it was people of all ages were, were there. There were people my age who, you know, had clearly watched it on, you know, VHS at home. There were people much older than me who probably saw it in the theater. And there were children there who, some of which I think were seeing it for the first time and, and you could see them being wowed by what was on screen. But there were also other children there who were already completely well-versed in in, in Kermit and, and Piggy and, and all these characters and and were thrilled, you know, in the same way that I see adult nerds get hyped when, you know, Captain America shows up on screen. You know, you were seeing the same sort of reaction from children when, like, Fozzy finally enters the film. Um, but one of the things I love most about the Muppet movie is the way that it sets up the sort of world of the Muppets, these characters who are going to go on this like road trip and it has that sort of road movie format with this sort of idea that we'll get to Hollywood and it'll just work out and you've seen that movie so many times before and normally with those films it's like the midpoint of the film they make it to Hollywood and things don't go their way and they have to you know you end up in like a La La Land situation where you watch these characters try and figure out how exactly will I exist in this you know this business this town this industry but with the Muppets, they get there and Orson Welles is just ready to receive them. And it's, I mean, the first time watching that as an adult and realizing that's Orson Welles and that's what's happening, it's like getting hit by lightning or something. And it's so shocking and so electrifying and just so funny. Like, that's the thing. Like, at the end of the day, the Muppets are always going to make you laugh. And when I watch something like you know, that first Muppet movie. Another thing that really speaks loudly to me is in the last couple of years, this idea of sort of self-awareness and meta-narrative that you see in uh, comedy and within popular culture. And, you know, I think, you know, Dan Harmon's work on Community, which I love, I think really changed the way that a lot of people like watch film and TV. And the sort of one-two punch of that followed by Deadpool has made it so that so many of our biggest blockbusters, most of which these days have to be IP-driven action comedies, they're all becoming self-aware and winking and nodding in a way that I think is making it really hard for me personally to like connect with them emotionally. And when I watch a film like the original Muppet movie, this movie is doing all of that. It's giving you all of that commentary on filmmaking, on you know the business of film, on you know Hollywood itself while still being full of heart, while still being full of character, and while still being genuinely funny. Regardless of whether or not you understand all of the, the cracks it's making about the industry or not. So, any final thoughts on the Muppet movie now that we have seen it? What, what will you think of it when you watch it? Is that you asking the audience? Yep. <laughs> okay, audience, she wants your thoughts, send them in. Mm-hmm. On the next episode of The Great Hens and Caper, hey, another Muppet movie. Every morning, every day, every evening, calling me away. We're almost there, come on. Every morning, 